you will pivot. I'm not going to sit here and say you may pivot, you will pivot. I mean, yeah. the first few iterations of whatever you have in mind may work, that may not work. If first one works, you're a unicorn. I don't know of anybody that like blasted out of the box with an idea and it worked and became their long-term business. I mean, everybody I know in the entrepreneurship world and the people that I've kind of communicated with and networked with have all had that moment of pivot. So just be aware that you'll pivot. There's going to be iterations. Get comfortable with that. Hey friends, this is your host, Cesar Romero, and you're listening to Beyond the Job Title Podcast, the show that explores the human experiences that shape our professional and personal lives. My guest for this episode is Chris Hughes, the founder of Sanate Ventures. And we discuss his journey into entrepreneurship, the fork on the road that led him to take the leap, how he decided what business to start, getting comfortable with making pivots, learning from rejection and introspection, and the most fulfilling aspects of Chris's business. So if you're someone that is looking to make the leap into entrepreneurship, I think this episode might be for you. Thanks so much for joining, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I wanted to start with, when I used to work in tourism and travel, you can plan for it. You can have the itinerary. Right? You, you can have everything lined up. But just because of the nature of the business, things can go wrong. Right. So my first trip, something went wrong. And I came up with the phrase, hey, guys, it's all about the experience. As a way to lessen the blow, right, of, hey, this was not part of the itinerary or this was not planned. And I wanted to ask you, where does your phrase come, keep chopping? And I know you, you shared a story when we met a, at a coffee shop here in Austin, and I thought that was cool. So yeah, I would love to ask you about that from a value perspective. Why do you think it's important to have something that helps you stand out? For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Number one, appreciate it. Enjoyed it. So to continue the conversation. Had a good time when we met. Kind of answer those in reverse. I think in terms of standing out, it's really essential to have like that look and feel and sound to be really cohesive. The way I look at it is you want people to know that it's you when they run across you, no matter where you are. If it's social media content, hopefully your online persona matches what your offline persona is. You hear all the time how people talk about, they think somebody's a certain way online and they meet them in person, they seem like a completely different person. So I mean, there's a big danger in the flip side of that, of like curating an online persona that's completely different from who you are in real life. That's why you'll see me use y'all. You'll see me like tell personal stories is because I want that to be, to match up and be natural. Keep chopping like the axe emojis, like in my name and like in my content came from a mentor of mine, Dennis O'Dwyer. I worked for a company here in Austin called Wide Open Media Group for about four years. And I helped build that from the ground up. And Dennis and I worked closely almost seven days a week for four years, really building it. It was like a team of four of us that carried a lot of the weight. And it's something he always said and had plastered all over the walls in our offices. And the notion is... When you're doing your criminal work and you're doing consistent work and you're kind of pressing away every day, it doesn't feel like much is happening, like you're not making much progress. 
And it's all these little jobs and you get frustrated. You're like, okay, what am I doing? Especially when you started with content, everybody experiences it where you're putting stuff out there. You're not getting any kind of response. Like, why am I bothering? Why am I wasting my time? But the idea is you'll eventually hit a plateau and for the chopping analogy, like if you're chopping, you're eventually going to like have that last little chop that just breaks everything open and breaks it in half. So that's the idea and that's where that comes from. And that's a work in progress. I've had ups and downs where I got to a really good place in terms of my content. A lot of response, but like, this is not the audience I want it to be or the community I want it to be. So I completely pivoted and now I'm kind of back down here. I love keep chopping because it's action oriented and it's also not about perfection. It's about progress, right? This is a great phrase. And I just, yeah, when they shared the story, I was like, yeah, this is something that I can relate to because it's easy to get frustrated, right? When you're not making progress oh, of course. or you put something out there and it gets like one like. Right. <laughs> So for the people here in the audience who might not be familiar with your work, like how would you describe what you do now? Who's your audience? What's the problem that you're solving? And then we can work backwards from there. So the company is called Zanati Ventures. About three years old, started out in social media ghostwriting, was primarily working to help solopreneurs and small business owners establish their personal brands on LinkedIn. I looked through a lot of social media uh, ghostwriting content and pivoted hard about three months ago to work kind of focus more on working with agency owners and startup founders on content creation and marketing. So our goal is to create compelling content to help the startup founders, agency owners, actually working with some coaches as well to really establish their story, their unique story and, and what that means to them. So they have the ability to talk about the transformational arc and the transformational path and their clients and their content whether we're the ones creating it or we're guiding them down that path to doing it themselves. Yeah, we do it in a variety of ways. We do a lot of blog content, social media content, thought leadership, generalized ghostwriting in different places, some campaign management stuff. So it's a big variety, some email marketing between myself and my wife, Julie, who is my business partner. We have a pretty diverse skill set, so we do a lot of different things. I love that. I know I want to put a pin on that and come back to it, but I want to go back in time now three years ago. And what was a fork on the road for you when you had two paths, right? Like one pursued the business and the other, whatever options you had. Yeah. What was the moment? Like what was a fork on the road and what led you to ultimately pursue entrepreneurship? Took a job for the money <laughs> back in November, 2019, job from something that was pretty simple and it's something that on the surface was pretty shiny. It was a substantial raise, probably a 20 something percent raise, which, you know, let's be honest, no one kind of turned down. I uh, <laughs> got in there and within about 60 days, realized it was just a dumpster fire and then it was going to go sideways. And sure enough, I got laid off about 30 days after that. So I got laid off at the end of January of 20, right before COVID. <laughs> Not a great time to get laid off. So I kind of hit an inflection point, actually, on the drive home from getting fired of, I don't want to do this again. Like I was kind of in the nation, okay, do I go back out there again and try to find another full-time job or repeat the cycle, or do I try to lean on myself and build something myself? Because I always feel like I had that in my DNA and my mom and dad were both essentially their own bosses for the majority of their careers. So it was yeah. always there and in my mind, and that was just a trigger, you know? So I found a couple of contracts and worked on those with companies. For about six months there at the turn of 20, really dug into late to like July of 20 and started posting almost weekly. And 
had grabbed my first gun, started inclined about three months later. So there was a good nine months there of really digging in and kind of building my personal brand and turning toward building something for myself before I got that first client outside of contracts. So it didn't happen quickly, but some support in my wife and had a little bit of a cushion to fall back on, was able to do it. I love it. A lot of people struggle with the decision of what do I sell, right? What's the skill set right. that I should offer as a service? How was that decision for you? Like, what, was it more of a, hey, what skill sets do I have? Or was it something like, hey, I'm interested in this and maybe I'll start doing it for free and then work for testimonials? What was the process for you? The ghost or anything necessarily wasn't the first iteration. My first thought was to do a blog about blogging, as weird as that sounds. Basically yeah. just teach everything that I knew about content marketing, content strategy. Did go that route for a little bit at the turn of the year in 28 or didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I tried a community for freelancers. I kind of fell flat a little and was thinking, I was really watching how people created content on LinkedIn and I've been around it long enough to know when somebody is frauding their own stuff and probably isn't. And now we've got the holding factor. Oh, AI. So, ChatGPT you know, ruined it for yeah, us. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a new BS to add to the RC. You know, I can kind of tell. And so I'm like, okay, there's got to be something here. Like, this, what's happening? And the more I kind of dug into it, I realized that there were a lot of ghostwriters out there. So, get to people listening. Like, if you're on LinkedIn, a lot of there's a lot of people you think are somebody, maybe some. In terms of like that content you're in by a ghostwriter. It was just a natural opportunity yeah. to really kind of go in that direction and sell that as a service and get that first client to put their trust in me to do it. Yeah. And that's a first big challenge, right? Getting that first customer yeah. to to trust you and to take a leap of faith. How what was the conversation with your wife? How do you get your wife involved in this? She comes from a performing arts background, especially like audience development and marketing in the performing arts world. And I was working for an organization here in Austin for about three years at the time when the business was really starting to flourish and going well, and she was ready to make a pivot. And her skill set is naturally complementary to mine. She's a better designer than I could ever think of being. Like I can but at best. <laughs> She's also phenomenal writer and was kind of a built-in editor for me and the work that I do and vice versa. We had each other's work. It's just a lot of natural synergy there. Yeah. And things were going well enough where she was able to make the jump and I'm not going to sit here and say there hasn't been some rough months because there absolutely has been. We're moving in the right direction. I love that. How has your thinking changed since making that decision? What are some of the things that you have learned from your three-year journey into entrepreneurship? You will pivot. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say, you may pivot, you will pivot. I mean, yeah. the first few iterations of whatever you have in mind may work. That may not work. If first one works, you're a unicorn. I don't know of anybody that like blasted out of the box with an idea and it worked and became their long-term business. I mean, everybody I know in the entrepreneurship world and the people that I've kind of communicated with and networked with have all had that moment of pivot. So just be aware that you'll pivot. There's going to be iterations. Get comfortable with that. That's cliche, but you're going to fail. There's going to be some failures, so prepared for that, but be ready to learn from those, adapt what you learn into that next iteration. And I'd say that you're going to pivot, and it's true, but give those pivots time to like make sure that yeah. when you pivot, you give it time to really see if it's going to succeed or fail. 
because I did is I'm going to pivot on that's not working. Okay. Well, I need to pivot again. Well, you can't do that to yourself. You've got to, you got to give yourself some time to see what it really does. You know, you're, yeah. you're going to commit to it. But in terms of pivot, right? What I admire about you is that you learn by doing and through pivots. And a lot of people get stuck in the, they think that what they're going to do is like long-term, like I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And no, most likely you're going to pivot because you yep. have no idea what's coming, right? Even with this podcast, to be honest, it might pivot into something that I had no idea, right? But I just know what I know now, which is I want to have awesome guests, share the stories. Who knows? It might morph into something else, right? But you will never know that if you never get started, right? So right. that's why one of the things I admire about you is how you're like, you try things, you are self-aware, right? You pay attention and have the courage to say, you know what? I think I'm going to pivot this way. Yeah. Uh, that moment when I decided to pivot away from ghostwriting, I told the story about it a little bit on LinkedIn is it was just becoming very visceral. Like I'd had a few actually referral type calls from current clients who referred me to somebody else who I thought could potentially become a ghostwriting client and I was getting a lot of no's. I'm like, okay, why are these no's happening? And I really did some reflection on that and I felt like I wasn't really selling it with confidence because it wasn't something I wanted to do anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a hard thing to, to, um, to kind of recognize in yourself. I took a long walk, walked all over Austin, walked like eight miles on a Friday afternoon, took my notebook with me and just brain dumped everything out. Like, here's why that isn't working. Here's where I think I could go to lean back on what I know and uh, literally pull the trigger on the pivot next day. I like that announced it, restructured my LinkedIn profile, I connected with a ton of people. I love that you took time for yourself. You journal, typically journaling, right? It's one of the ways people vent, but it could be anything, right? Whatever works for you if you're listening to this. But taking that time for yourself and to really reassess, right? And think about what, what's working, what's not working, where you want right. to go next. And then what you said next, it's like, I immediately took action. Because right? a lot of people do the process, but they don't act on it. They just sit on it. But I think taking immediate action is critical, right? Because then you start to get momentum and then you start to find out if your hypothesis is, is right or wrong, right? For sure. sure. And it's scary. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not scary to do that. I mean, I was like, yeah. okay, this could go really badly. And I was prepared for that, but it didn't. I mean, we got two new clients in the last two months from kind of telling that stronger story. Is there any advice that stands out to you? It could be throughout your career or to what you're doing now that has stuck to you? Yeah, man, that's a great question. I think being prepared to understand that you're the product when it comes to social media. And what I mean by that is even if you're paying for like LinkedIn premium or if you're paying for whatever you're paying for social media wise, you're still largely the product because you're not paying like a monthly subscription fee. Therefore, because you're the product, it's time to take, to build your business in a way that gets off of those platforms. Yeah. This is part, partially me telling myself this, because I need to like get back in this mindset, but you hear people harp all the time on the importance of like meeting people offline and building email lists and like an email community and through newsletters or building Slack communities and stuff like that. And you see everybody doing it, you're wondering why that's why, because there's no guarantees that any of these platforms are going to be around long-term. I mean, Facebook is wavering at best. LinkedIn is fine and stable because they're owned by Monolith and Microsoft. They're probably not going anywhere, but yeah, who yeah. knows what AI is going to bring. 
like the AI could bring some kind of a social network that adds decimals the rest of these. And if you put all your effort in like one basket and you're not thinking about how to build offline, you can mm. struggle. It could be a, like, could really block your business. And that's why we met. That's why I meet with people as often as I can, both locally and on calls to establish those other networks, because you always want to have other things happening in the background that aren't so dependent on. But yes, build, build your brand. It's absolutely important, but think about the other elements and build out of them. I love that. And I'm getting more and more bullish on live events and meetups and community, just because right. I feel like the space, the content space and the social media space is very saturated. So it's crazy that events are now a way to stand out <laughs> and host meetups and whatnot. Yeah. And how are you navigating, right? This whole thing with AI and what's your take on it? Where do you see it going? It's overwhelming. I mean, I was just unreal to me. I'm subscribed to probably six newsletters I get every day. And I'm not reading them like in the end, but I'm scanning, like skimming this. What really applies the most to content marketing? I have a premium subscription to ChatGPT. I'm doing a lot with that in terms of research and kind of thinking about where we can take some of our own company content questions yeah. as we get into Q3 because we kind of neglected that to some extent as we've been focused on client execution, which we should be. But it's time to turn some of that back in as well. So I don't know. My take on it is that you adapt to it or will make you adapt. I think it's on all of us to learn how to use them because if you just bury your head in the sand, that moment will come a few years down the road when it's too late. Is it going to like cause mass extinction of the employment market where every sector, like we're all in universal basic income and there no one can work? I know. I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll do that to some industries. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yep. Beth, and the reason why copywriting will continue to exist and content marketing and marketing will continue to exist to some extent is nuance and the things we bring to the table as people. Like that's going to take a hell of a long time for AI to report that. And if it does, we're in a lot of trouble. And it's, I think that's, there's the emotional and the element of your own unique experiences right, that AI cannot take away from you. So if you're able to, whether you're a ghostwriter, copywriter, or a content creator, working with clients, right, if you're able to extract that from your clients and incorporate it into the content, I think that's, at least for now, right, that, that could be a way to mitigate the, the impact of AI, right? Because, yeah. yeah, if it's just, what do you call it, commodity content, then that's, then you're in trouble, right? That's where, at least it, from my experience using the different tools, that's where I see it's like the biggest impact right now. It's like yep. generic lists about <laughs> something. <laughs> we sent a proposal to a company a few weeks back, kind of had some back and forth, and they kind of got down to nuts and bolts where we give a cost and sent us a rejection that was obviously written in Chudgy. Oh, okay. God. He really? And just like, can't be serious. <laughs> So, I mean, that's the way that it can be used negatively, right? God, they're, you're going to use it, put it in some context. Yeah. Think about when the right time is to use it and how to use it and use it for things that are augment your business to help build your business and build your presence rather than are kind of time saving. Because the, the time saving element seems good on the surface, but it also has that negative effect 
And we're all starting to develop kind of the BS meters now where it's easier to recognize, okay, that was written by. AI. Yeah, that's BS. Yeah. Yeah. And that's coming next is we're going to have this collective understanding that was not written by a person. I can already tell if someone sends me like a yeah. automated thing. And yeah. yeah, it's a slippery slope, right? This obsession with automation. I think it's good to an extent, but if it's to the point where you're sacrificing empathy and human emotion, then it's going to backfire on you. Two more questions. And then I'll, I want to do a rapid fire round to wrap up. Where do you get your fulfillment through your business? What aspect of it is the most fulfilling to you? And where do you see it going? Yeah, that's a good question. Very deliberate about protecting time and place freedom at this point in my life. I'm 46, halfway to 47. So I've been tied to chairs and cubicles and all that for a good part of my professional life. And very deliberately have built this in a way where it's, it's transportable or we can take it where we want to be. A couple of weeks back, we worked for a week in Taos, New Mexico, Northern New Mexico from like the patio or Airbnb or little coffee shops there in, in town. So that transportability is very important to both of us and we have aging parents. So the reality is we're going to have to get back to our hometown a lot more than we ever have in the next yeah. few years. So it's not just about money and chasing money. It's about creating the business in a way that mirrors your lifestyle at that point in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that means different things, different people. And a mistake that a lot of people make when they start something for themselves is scale. Because everybody, every coach in under the sun preaches scale, scale, scale. Like, yeah. There's two ways to scale. Either you build up to where you can't do it anymore by yourself, you hire an employee so you can scale faster, or take yourself out of the business and you create these digital products that'll make you all this amount of hands off. Wow. Yes. I mean, both have elements of truth. Yeah. But the reality is if you don't build something that reflects where you are and what you want at that point in your life, yeah, you're just recreating a job. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm so glad you, you brought know, that up so. about scaling because a lot of people get caught up in that scaling game. And to me, it's about happiness. Are you happy with five clients? Right. Are you happy with 10 clients? Maybe yeah. with one client, right? Like it's really personal and you don't have to scale or you don't have to IPO to feel like yeah. you made it, right? I saw a clip from Gary Vee the other day where they asked him about if we would ever think about IPO. And he said, no. He <laughs> said no, because he knows that he's self-aware enough to know that wouldn't make him happy. Right. So I thought that was refreshing. Yeah. I think more people need to be more honest about that. Like, yeah. What do you really want from Yeah. No. What does everybody else tell you you should want from it? What do you want? Because yeah. then you build in the mechanisms that make sense for that. Like we're pretty executional and we prefer to be executional in terms of the work that we do. We do a lot of content creation. We're hands-on. We're in the weeds of the storytelling. I know other people who prefer to kind of treat it like strategy where they're not as in the weeds. Right. They're working with teams that are doing the execution of the content or setting the table. I and mean, you can go either way because they're building their business a little bit differently. They're maybe thinking to sell it one day as like strategic agency rather than like actually content. Agency. So you just treat it like you, like makes sense for you. And if you don't do that, you're going to sell yourself short. Yeah. I agree with you, Chris. Oh, that's a lot for sharing, man. I appreciate yeah. that. To wrap it up, I would love to do something fun. Rapid fire round. These yeah. are like one question and you just give me cool. your. 30 second answer. You got it. All right. So first one, one book that has greatly influenced your life. Wow. 
Oh, oh man. Early on was going to be great. He really talks about kind of the difference between reaching a point where things are going well and it's predictable and, and you're in a good place versus what it takes to take that next step to, to really make that business or make your personal life even better. Sure. That's a good agree as long. It's always kind of hanging out over here recently. I've been reading. I've always had a little bit of a kind of a religious. I'm not religious. So I'm kind of more of a spiritual person, but I've always been interested in Buddhism. So I'm reading a book called Bitch. Um, everywhere on my shelf it kind of applies like those principles to modern life oh that's been really interesting i love those kind of books so thanks for sharing all right next question one of the most work well investments that you've made yeah i'll flip it a little just over money out of every single invoice you pay where you're in start i say 30 percent probably extreme because if you think about self-employment tax you're probably probably more like 70 percent but If you save 30%, you'll have a cushion for a rainy day. You will have bad months. And that 30% will help you get through the bad month. I like how you were saying, Chris. <laughs> we, I paid three quarters of what I should for like kind of estimated taxes last year. And our tax bill was much less damaging on tax day because that money was unsafe. You just paid out even no problem. Yeah, so that's smart. So save 30%. And you'd be surprised. You can live on a lot less than you think. Right. Yeah, a lot of people overthink that. That's a good one. Quote that you think of often or model that you live your life by. Yeah. Outside yeah. of keep chopping. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. To you, it's kind of attributed to different people, but the, it's just the idea that tomorrow is not promised. And so today is all we have. Yep. Focus on today. Obviously have before thinking, but there's no promise. Up tomorrow. Also, uh, there's more to life than simply increasing its speech. That's one of my favorites from Gandhi. What does that mean to you? Everything we do to constantly think about scale and pressing and doing more in less time, it's, yes, it's important. But also, if you don't stop to take the time to recognize what you built and like enjoy what mm-hmm. you built and why you built it and why are you doing it? Yep. I'm also a big believer in like celebrating small victories because if you don't take the time to pat yourself on the back a little bit for the small victories and what's going well in your business or in your personal life, then you're going to run out of the momentum to build something bigger. I mean, you're constantly on the grind and you're not taking a moment to pause and enjoy what you built. What are you doing? Why are you building it? But Instagram might make you think the opposite. So. <laughs> In the last year or recently, any habit that you have implemented that has improved your quality of life? We walk at least two and a half miles, typically mm-hmm. like just around the neighborhood. We walked, yeah. we live in a part of East Austin where there's a couple of breweries and like coffee shops are pretty close by. So it's easy for us to take a walk and like work in different places. I'm a big believer in that change of scenery. At least once a week, I'll go somewhere new and sit down and just ride. For two, three hours to just get out of everything else and write about um, the business or focus in on a blog post for a client. So the combination of like having one type of physical activity you like to do every day and then also changing scenery, whether it means going to a new place or just separating yourself from where you typically are. Like I'm sitting at my desk right now in my office, I'm here probably 70% of the time, but yeah, try to have that separation sometimes to just remember that there's broader world out there. Outside the four walls. 
I love that. And something interesting that I have come to realize is that the physical environment where you're in influences your, at least for me, your creativity. Absolutely. Right. So in, in this room, I recently made a small tweak. And so I took this desk from facing a wall to facing the window That's and great. man, it's done like, and like right now I'm looking at, so there's a farm like, on the other side of the street and I can just see green and I'm just <laughs> like, it just re-energizes you. Right. Right. Instead of just looking at the wall, <laughs> I don't know why I put it there, you know, but yeah, just making small tweaks, I think to the physical environment is so underrated. And if you're going to work at home, now multiple spaces where you can. We have like five spaces. Oh, that's too. It's smarter, man. Yeah, <laughs> we bought some chairs. We have in our neighborhood here in East Austin, was kind of a thing in the 50s when these houses were built there to be concrete slabs in some of the backyards. So it was a weird concrete slab in our backyard where there was like a built-in grill and something I guess people did back then, like these weird brick-in grills. So we bought some pretty nice patio furniture. So also when the weather's nice. Next couple of weeks or even in the summer, you can go out there and sit outside and work in the mornings too. So yeah, I love it. Have multiple spaces, especially if you're working with your spouse. Yeah, no, it's important, right? To switch around. Now, Chris, last question to, to wrap this up, right? This year, a lot of people getting laid off, a lot of people trying to figure it out what's next for them right. in terms of their career, in terms right. of their life. What advice would you have for those people? What would you want to be? a takeaway from this episode in terms of figuring out whether it's their next job, whether it's maybe taking the plunge into entrepreneurship, right? Like, what would you recommend right. to them? Don't be so reactionary when you do get laid off. I went through several in my time in the corporate world and the startup world, they just happen, especially in marketing. Take a few days, be mad first, go do what you need to do to boss in the moment. But instead of like the next day or two days later, like immediately diving in and applying to hundreds of jobs, take a little bit of time and step away, go sit somewhere and think about it. Like, do I really want to get back into that cycle? And if I do, what does it mean? Like what type of company should I be looking for? What type of roles should I be looking for? Is the reason why I got laid off, is it related to the role? Is it related to the type of company? Like use perspective as to what that means. So you don't like too quickly get in, into something else. It's exactly the same that happens or there's a risk of happening. Or maybe it is that moment of inflection. Like I want to in this world is a time to try something else. And I'm not saying you fully leap out of the corporate world into building something for yourself. You hear that advice sometimes it's a little misguided because you don't have a cushion to fall back on. That's a big risk. But if you do, maybe it is, or is there a side hustle you can build that's complimentary? To your skill set. And if you do need the security of the full time gig on the short term, like what can you build as a side hustle that can help you kind of almost build your own? Yeah. I, mean, I think that's, you got one of three ways there. <laughs> so, yeah. but you have to take the time to think about it because if you get laid off, you just dive right back into the pool. You history, might end up in, history can repeat itself. Yeah, you might end up in the same place or worse, right? From like right. freaking out. But I yeah. love that that you start with introspection. Yeah, I think yeah. it's so important, right? That just like, what do you actually want, right? right. And uh, yeah, I think the future is uncertain, right? And I think the only constant is change, especially for your career, right? Like, and I think making pivots, it's just going to become more and more common, right? As technology 
progresses, right? Oh, so, special. Yeah. Yeah. And you are ahead of the pack. Oh, <laughs> it comes to payments. No, that's great, man. It's, that's how you build resiliency. Yeah. Right. Right. And introspection. So, yeah. Well, Chris, well, th- thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing a bit of a journey with us yeah. uh, into entrepreneurship, running your business, and sharing with us some life advice that is super valuable. Right. So, where can people find you, find out, find out work? Sure. In terms of getting a feel for kind of how I tell the story of what I do and what we do is an tape, follow me on LinkedIn. That's my home. I spend most of my time there in terms of social content. Kind of played with others, but don't really bother anymore. My website is Zanate Ventures. So it's Z-A-N-A-T-E Ventures.com. Uh, Zanate is Spanish for grackle. And like the grackles are the wax, wax birds we have here everywhere. And really. <laughs> kind of identify with their scrappiness, their resilience. So that's where the name comes from. I'm that. And yeah, those are the two primary places. And again, we work with startup founders, seat founders, small business owners to help them really refine their stories and we create that compelling content to help them find their own new clients, build their businesses. Awesome, Chris. We'll make sure to link them up in the show notes yeah. right now. Thanks so much for joining and sharing and yeah, good luck out there. Enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.